11th, 2001. October 7th, 2023. These are all dates that have great significance. Pearl Harbor Day and what we know as September 11th. And depending on your paying attention to the world stage, October 7th is when the terrorists from Hamas attacked multiple places, multiple people, multiple communities attacked Israel. And we continue to see the darkness of suffering in that event, and we see it in previous events, dates that become lodged in our brains, uh, have great significance. And thankfully, some of the hostages that were taken are being returned. One, a 72-year-old woman, Adina Mosh, was returned at the end of November, and she emerged from weeks of darkness. To a welcome site, yes, but it has required adjustment. She was taken from her own home and then surrounded by the midnight of evil. I think I can say literally and figuratively held in tunnels. Her nephew said she was in complete darkness. She was walking with her eyes down because she was in a tunnel. She was not used to the daylight. And during her captivity, she was disconnected from all of the outside world. Now I'm aware in bringing this up that I could be seen as insensitive in using such an illustration, uh, such a connection, because it's so real, it's so visceral, and it is so evil. There's such great darkness. But at that risk, I think it's worth sharing because it does illustrate that we do live in a dark world. And we have to contend with our own experiences. Though they may pale in comparison to what I just shared, we still have to deal with the enemies of our corrupt world and from our own sin and from the evil one who only wants to do us harm. I know that our circumstances pale in comparison, and yet we still need a rescue. For our rescue is not merely physical. It is through Christ. And the darkness that exists in in and around us is defeated. And so we're called to walk in the light. And to walk as children of the light. But that doesn't mean there isn't that darkness around us. And that we don't see it before us. Or that we don't struggle with its reality. My theme this morning is this, the light of Christ defeats the darkness that encompasses us in this world. The light of Christ defeats that darkness. And I want to talk about two things. It dispels the darkness and it delivers us from it. And so let's start with dispels the darkness. What is the greatest hymn ever written? Now you might say amazing grace and we could fight about it. But I want you to know it's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I just want to state that subjective reality. I made a playlist on, si- on Spotify that only has versions of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm up to 56, three hours and 34 minutes, and I can listen to that nonstop. It's such a rich hymn. I do say that some, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, we can argue, but it is a rich hymn 
that pulls on the great promises and truths of Scripture. And in the fourth stanza that we sing, we sing, O come, thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to flight. That is coming from the King James language, thou dayspring from on high, that we looked at last week from the Gospel of Luke and Zechariah's prophecy, his song, and the hymn draws us into the promise that when the light of Christ shines on us, we are going to know the joy of his presence. For his light disperses the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow begins to flee from us. And that's why I say it dispels the darkness around us. Jesus is the light of the world, and he does dispel this darkness. He comes into the world as light of light, as we profess in the Nicene Creed. God of God, light of light. And in the prologue of John, the prologue is considered the first 18 verses, of which I read the first 14 this morning. We see this among many things, that he is light That is Jesus, as God is light. In 1 John 1, 5, we hear this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now look at verse 5 of, of John, the gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I want to point out one thing right now. As we read and as you heard and look at verses 1 through 4 of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it continues. You see the past tense. He was in the beginning with God. But then you get to verse 5, and the tense changes. The light shines in The darkness, now, present tense, where we are, and the darkness has not overcome it. His light still shines now, and the darkness will not ever overcome it. Now, that is not to say that darkness isn't a reality. It is. I don't think I need to prove that again. But Christ's light is greater. Like the sun rising on the earth, there may still be thick clouds obscuring the sun somewhat like today but is the sun shining indeed it is and the dark of night comes and goes and sometimes that can be all that we can see or all that we can feel and yet when we see and experience darkness in our own life or we see it in this world we need to be reminded again and again that the darkness has not overcome it He dispels what we cannot defeat on our own. Christmas is the anniversary of the birth of that reality, and Christ's resurrection provides the proof. As he puts those dark shadows of death to flight in a way that we can scarcely imagine, and yet we stake our entire lives on if you are a follower of Christ. 
John proclaims that the light dispels the darkness that surround us, surrounds us. God is light. Jesus is light. These are great themes of Scripture of light and darkness. The Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27. Or Psalm 104, you are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as a garment. There's the manifestations of light, like the burning bush in Exodus 3, or the pillar of fire that goes with Israel in the wilderness to light their way. In Isaiah 9, 2, which I've referenced a couple times, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shine. And we heard in our call to worship Isaiah 49, 6, which I referenced last week as well. And so then jump down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into this world. That is light that we need in this world. It is the only light that can truly dispel our darkness. And the idea of Jesus being the true light speaks of his glory and majesty. Much like we would think of the glory and majesty of the Lord. If the sun was shining brightly without the clouds, you know what? One of the last things I would tell you to do is to go and stare into the sun. Right? That would be not good. Don't do that. In a similar way... We stand before the glory of the Lord. It is overwhelming. And yet, we have that ability because of Christ as he reveals the Father to us, as he dispels our darkness. God is also a God that reveals. The true light reveals the darkness that we live in. And it reveals what cannot be seen otherwise. Jesus also leads us by his light, by his true light. We are able to see the path that he sets before us. And finally, his being the true light speaks to his holiness. As I referenced earlier, we're called to walk as children of light or to walk in the light, as Ephesians 5 says. So God is, God's light has ethical implications for us. But if our eyes only get fixed on what is dark in this world, then it will be hard to see the light of God in Christ. We must keep our eyes fixed there. Watch the news, but have the word of God nearby. Lament what should be lamented, but also look for the signs of life and light in this world that come through the work of Jesus Christ. And as he comes into this world, he brings us to a place where we can see and know God. See, you could stare into the sun and go blind. You get close to the sun and you would be consumed. And we hear at the end of Timothy, Paul writes that God dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. But Jesus says in the gospel, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you know me, you know the Father. Jesus makes it possible for us to stand in that light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And that's what we rejoice in at Christmas. In verse 14, and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John Donne in 1626 said, Christ's birth and his death were but one continual act, and his Christmas day and his Good Friday are but the evening and morning of one and the same day. And because that is so, he is the one who can dispel our darkness, and he is also the one who can deliver us from it because he has defeated it. There's a little boy who wrote a letter to Santa. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at this house. There is Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time, but Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. You know, we are Norman. We would like, particularly because we have uh, a host of siblings that we can point to. I mean, there's Jeffreys and Davids and Adams, and they're all rascals. But we are Norman, and we are good All of the time. And maybe Santa can be fooled by such suggestions of our supposed goodness. But that is not true of the sovereign Lord. Some have no interest in actually even trying. They don't want to write a letter to Santa or to the Lord. We all, in our own way, before we know the Lord's salvation, reject him and his goodness. In our sin, we're much more interested in ourselves and our own way of saving ourselves. We see this in verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. Why do we reject the light? Why do we reject our Lord? Why do we reject the light of Christ? Well, we love the dark. Sinners do not like to be exposed. And so we avoid the light of God's truth. And you can see this in John chapter 3, 19 through 21, which you can read at another time. We're also focused on lesser or incomplete lights. We get attracted. Ooh, shiny. But it's of this world, not of the world of the Lord. We get focused there. And finally, we are spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the way to be delivered from self-centeredness is to stand in the presence of God. And I think we could say the same way, the way to be delivered from darkness is to stand in the light of Christ especially in view of his cross where he takes the darkness of our sin and just suffering and bears it on himself. He allows himself to be assaulted by everything that evil could throw at him. There's a good reason it got dark for three hours at his crucifixion. And by his sacrifice, we are said in Colossians to be delivered from the domain of darkness and now Share in the inheritance of the saints 
in the light. You see that in verse 12 of Colossians 1. Paul gives thanks to God for that. You see, Jesus writes the letter of qualification by his blood, not to Santa, but to the Lord. And by that and that alone, we are qualified and welcomed into the family of God. And by faith, we receive what is given. Generally, and I know there are exceptions, but generally we understand that an inheritance is something that is obtained by virtue of a relationship rather than is earned by our own effort. By faith, we receive the gift of Christ's life, light that is offered to us freely. So back to John 1, but do all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're brought into the family of God by faith. We become inheritors of God's gracious promise and gifts to us through Christ. And the birth of Jesus that we celebrate as Christ, uh, uh, Christmas is but of one, a celebration of many birthdays. What do I mean by that? Well, we sing about it and hark the herald angels sing. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays by glory by, born that, no, that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. See, we don't just celebrate Christ's birth, but we celebrate our own rebirth, our being born again, not by flesh and blood, not by our will, not by our effort, but by God, received by faith. And so then we're not just delivered out of darkness, Colossians 1, 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I love the King James Version translation, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The reason I like that, that translation, no pun intended, that translated into the kingdom of his beloved son is we're the same. And yet we are completely different. It's a work that God does. And so Satan no longer has any claim on us. We do not belong to the dark that he sows. Though we may struggle when we see it. And we're still touched by the ten dying tentacles of darkness. You don't belong to that world anymore. It can touch you, but it cannot have you. You can bleed and struggle and carry around grief and pain. And those things are real. And yet so is too the truth that you have been transferred into the kingdom of his son. And it is, it is that to which we belong. Because of Christ redeeming and rescuing us by his blood, we know his forgiveness and we're now qualified to live this new life. Before knowing Christ, Benjamin was alone. 
and he struggled to find simple joy and happiness in his day-to-day life. He knew of God. He knew of his teachings, but he did not want to be judged by others for his past. He was going to a, a coffee shop in South Metro Atlanta, and he would read there. And, and after a while, he was befriended by one of the baristas named Caleb. And Caleb invited Benjamin to come to his church and attend a Christianity Explored course. Some of you are familiar with Christianity Explored. He came. He said, I found that the environment wasn't condescending, but a warm and loving place. He was shy, but he was befriended further by one of the members of the church and also the pastor. And he began, after the first week of attending, expressing a desire to give his life to Christ. And the pastor and Caleb met with him, and they were surprised, but also rejoiced, finding that Benjamin was sincere, and he received Christ and was baptized and began a journey of discipleship with his new church. He says, with Pastor Zach's help, I was able to understand more of the word and that I was loved by God. Knowing that Christ died on the cross gave me a sense of relief to know that my many sins and harsh deeds could be forgiven. That I had a chance, it ha- I had a chance for me to become a new me that walks with Christ. And he began to put away his past and he began to put away his life that he had known and he began to walk with Christ and he had trouble with that. He struggled with that. It wasn't easy. But he began to let go of those things. And he said, I am able to be whole with the gospel. He says, the light of the gospel has transformed me into a man of joy and peace. The gospel has given me knowledge to understand the world around me. I pray that I am thankful for the opportunity to continue to praise God and I am, that I am able to spread the gospel. I pray that I continue to have having peace of mind and a sound spirit and that I'm able to love others as God has loved me. Here's a man who was transformed by the light of the gospel. This is what it means to be delivered from the darkness as the light shines in the darkness now. And I'll finish with one last thing. This little book called Christ and Calamity by Harold Sinkbull. He's a Lutheran pastor, and he says, No doubt you've had your share of long, dark nights. Most Christians have. Grief or pain or loss or one sort or another will bring those times of darkness into your life. When you can't sleep, your body's telling you with your mind, your mind is on overload and your heart is breaking. Some nights it's hard to pray, and when you do, it seems like no one's there to listen. In that darkness, you will feel that God is gone, and your own misery is your only company. My personal darkest nights came after our young son-in-law tragically died in a farm accident. For several nights in a row, my body shook with wrenching silent sobs while my heart cried out, Why, God, why? What will our precious daughter and their little boy do now? You know that prayer. Very likely you've prayed one like yourself. Although this wonderful world God made for us contains a lot of beauty and happiness, it also holds a lot of ugliness and sorrow and fear and pain and death. But remember, we serve a Lord who snatched life from the jaws of death. He brought light into darkness. One Friday afternoon at Calvary, darkness enveloped Jesus while he suffered extreme agony 
of body, mind, and spirit upon his cross. After three anguished hours of torture, he breathed his last, and his friends took his battered, bloodied body down and buried him in a borrowed tomb, in a physical body, just like ours. Jesus bore our sin and carried our sorrows. The price of our sins was paid in human flesh and bone, blood and sweat and tears. Jesus experienced pain like ours. Fear and dread came upon him just like it does on us, and he felt our human anguish with every fiber of his being. But by his cross and in the death that he died, Christ Jesus brought life and immortality. Three days later, he emerged from his grave victorious over death and hell, transforming this world's darkness into everlasting light. And that, my friends, is our hope at Christmas and beyond. Let us come into the joy and light of our home with Jesus. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for rescuing us, redeeming us, and Lord, bringing us into new life through Christ, shining in a dark world. Lord, we know that Jesus saw it all, and yet he still took the cross upon himself so that we might be redeemed by you. Lord, thank you for this rescue. Thank you for defeating what we cannot defeat on our own. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to minister to us during this season, regardless of what we bring into this world with us, what we carry and what we bear. Lord, would you help us where we have this need? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A little later in the book of Colossians,